Next on Abounding Grace, see how God speaks to his people in ways you might not expect. He will so often lead us supernaturally in very natural and normal ways. That, that's why we miss it so often. Because we have some other expectation of the voice of God when all the while he's leading and guiding us in our natural, normal, everyday lives. So we have these pictures and these thoughts of how God really speaks to his people. But more often than not, God leads and speaks to his people while they're in the process of their daily, normal routines of life. This is amazing grace. Happy Valentine's Day. Glad to have you on board. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll continue our series, Into Faith We Go. As believers, we have some questions as we travel through life, and one of the biggies is, how do I hear from God? Maybe it says we're wondering whether to take a job offer or accept a proposal. So what should we look for, and how do we know if we're hearing from God? Well, today's message is going to help you answer that as Pastor Ed Taylor opens 1 Samuel 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9 in part 3 of our series, Into Faith We Go. And the Bible study is entitled, Faithfully Faithful in Every Moment. Faithfully Faithful in Every Moment. Because as we begin to talk about faith and stepping out in faith, we oftentimes associate that with some big decision, some big leap, some huge event and because you haven't seen a big step or a huge event in your life recently, or you don't see anything in the near future, you may choose to just to check out on this series and go, well, you know, that's not for me. However, we've learned through our study in Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone that comes to God must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So faith is more than just a leap of faith, a step of faith. It's more than just some huge event in our lives. Faith is required every moment of every day. And God is calling us to learn to be faithfully faithful in every moment. And so here we go, starting off in this series, Into Faith We Go. It's an exciting time. We're anticipating what God might do, what he'll reveal to us, all that he wants to do, he, how he wants to use our life for his glory, for his fame. And I know there is among us, if I ask for hands to be raised, everyone would raise their hand because among us today is this longing to see our life matter. There's this longing and desire to see substance in our life, that need to be in a place where we know our lives matter, where we see that we're making a difference, and we see the eternal significance of the decisions that we make. And for those of us that have a testimony where we got saved later in life, we begin to look at how God's using us today, how we're involved today, and we can't help but be overwhelmed by the grace of God, of where he brought us from, to know where he's taking us to. The grace of God is so motivating, so encouraging, and it deepens our faith. And yet, with that desire, 
there's still this question. I mean, life is filled with questions, but when we talk about faith and wanting to know what God's will is and how do I hear from him, how am I led by him, there's this lingering question that says, how does God lead his people? How exactly does God lead his people? And almost inevitably, you'll be faced with some formula. Well, this is how God leads his people. And someone will tell you this, and someone will tell you this. And then as you try to apply it in your life, you're like, the formula doesn't work for me. And some people actually walk out of church, they turn their back on God, and you'll hear them say something like this, Christianity didn't work for me. No, no, whatever you experienced wasn't true Christianity. Because Jesus Christ in his finished work on the cross, it absolutely works for you right at that beginning. And so whatever you experienced, it really wasn't a real relationship with God. To walk away and say, it doesn't work for me. No, God is faithful. And what he begins in a person, he completes. He, the Bible speaks of God perfecting that which concerns us. And so when it comes to the question, these are good questions to ask. You know, how does God lead his people? What should I look for? How, how should I listen? How do I know it's from God? I had a young man come up yesterday after service. He said it perfectly. He's wrestling with this burden on his heart. He wants to be a missionary. He's got a place. He's got a location. But he told me this. He came to ask this. He said, but Pastor Ed, I don't know if this is God's voice in my head or my voice. And that's a great question. And so what did I do? I led him down a simple path just to sort a little bit out for him. And I said, well, what you want to do is serve God. Yes. And and you want to leave everything that you know, comfort and ease to go to another country and help other people in Jesus' name. Yes. And I started with a few questions like that. And I told him, I said, look, that did not come from the devil. That is not the devil telling you to leave your comfort and ease and go help people in Jesus' name. And as we're sorting out the details, we're putting him on a path so he can test this calling and step out in faith to see what God might do. Now, as we're walking in faith ourselves, it's good to ask these questions. And today I want to give you a few answers that will help you sort out hearing the voice of God. Because God does lead and God does speak. And so many times we find ourselves in the place of David. If you want to jot it down in Psalm 31, in the first few verses, listen to what David says and tell me if it doesn't resonate with your heart at times. David said in Psalm 31, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me and deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress or a defense to save me. And notice the last thing he says, he says, for you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. God, my life is yours. I've got so many things going on. Deliver me, help me. You're my rock. You're my defense. I don't understand this. It's out of control. Lead me and guide me. Now, in answering this question, some people would answer this question and say, well, In order to hear the voice of God, some people say, I need to get away. I need to be like a monk or a nun and get away, live in a monastery, have absolute silence, have nobody around me, then I can hear the voice of God. Now let me say, getting away for private times, having personal time with God, getting away where you're out of all the distractions is commendable, it's glorious, and it's good. But that's not the normal way that God speaks to his people. It's not really an accurate picture of the Bible and God speaking to us. At other times, 
there are those that would say, well, in order to hear the voice of God, you need to just, uh, just flip through the Bible. Just get the Bible out because we know God speaks to us through the Bible. And if you really need a question answered, just flip through the Bible and then pick a verse. That's what I just did. Oh, like this one. Bring charges against your mother. Bring charges. For she is not my wife, for I am her husband. Let her put away the harlotry from her sight. <laughs> Hey, God absolutely 100% speaks to us through his word, but not in some random flipping of scriptures. And you, you have the, you know, like, like you remember growing up the magic eight ball and you have a question and you shake it and there it is. Well, the Bible is not like that. It is the very word of God and he uses it in our lives to lead us and guide us. You know, hey, other times people will say, this is how I hear the voice of God. I, 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 it has to be supernatural and exciting and it has to be very emotional. You know, it's funny, over the years, in a simple setting like this of Bible study, where the Bible is being taught through the gift of pastor teacher and it's being received by us, I'll have folks that visit. They'll come here one time, they'll head out, and then they'll send me an email. I don't know, that church, your church is just dead. There's no movement of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's not there. And I, and I would start at, like, what are you talking about? Well, all you did was teach the Bible. Oh, so you expected us to run around and jump and scream and yell and, and have the lights flicker. And that's the, and, and there's that sense that God can only speak through experience and God can only speak through the emotion. God can only speak through some hyper expressive way. Well, let me say that on occasion, God will do some major supernatural thing in our lives, but that's not the normal way he speaks. The normal way he speaks is not necessarily by a cloud or by a fire or by a burning bush. We do see those on occasion, but God often leads. This is very important to grasp. I know it's by way of repetition, but you need to hear it again. God will so often lead us supernaturally in very natural, normal ways through, through just daily life, the daily living of our life. He will so often lead us supernaturally in very natural and normal ways. That, that's why we miss it so often. Because we have some other expectation of the voice of God when all the while he's leading and guiding us in our natural, normal, everyday lives. So we have these pictures and these thoughts of how God really speaks to his people. But more often than not, God leads and speaks to his people while they're in the process of their daily, normal routines of life. You could say it this way, God is the God of the mundane. Now, I know we don't use that word very often, but mundane speaks of normal and ordinary. It, mundane means lacking excitement, even dull and routine, which can speak to much of our lives every day. We live very ordinary lives. We have the routine of life. We have the ups and downs of life. Some of you even look at the position that you're in, the job that you're in, and you wonder, what is so exciting about this? And what is so supernatural about this? And you could say that it is even mundane. But see, that's something that we all share. We all have the ordinary of our lives. The problem, of course, is, is that our eyes are always somewhere else. And we, oh, we want someone else's life. We think, oh, if I just had their life, there's no ordinary to that. I want this and I like this and I wish I had his car. I wish I had his house. I wish I had his family. I wish I had all of those things. When in reality, most people have very ordinary lives. And because it's ordinary and our expectations were somewhere else, we're discouraged. And when we're discouraged, 
we're, we're not in a place of receiving from the Lord. And, and that's really often the case. You know, you, had, you, you sit here today and maybe this is exactly what you've been thinking. You think, you know, here I am at this age and at this stage of my life and I thought it would be different. And you think it would be different in a negative way because in your expectations, you had a much higher view. You had a broader view. You know, you had dreams and aspirations and great desires. And here you are at this age and at this stage. And you're just simply discontented and dissatisfied with the will of God for your life. Which brings us to this section in 1 Samuel chapter 9. Because God doesn't want you to be discouraged in this stage and this age of your life. Because he is the ever-present God. And today in 1 Samuel chapter 9, we learn how God uses the ordinary, and I would even say less than ordinary things of life, to encourage us and to speak to us. Up to this time in Israel's history, God has been speaking to them through a group of men and one woman called Judges. There's actually a book in the Bible called Judges, and you can read how Judges are, were God's gift to the nation, to help them recover from their sinful ways and their rebellious ways. They were the mouthpiece, the leaders of the country, to help them navigate through life. You have the judges and the priests. But there came a point in time in the life of the nation of Israel where they looked around at the nations around them, they saw they didn't have what they had, and they declared and demanded a king. They wanted a king. All the other nations have kings and we're tired of the judges and we're tired of Samuel. We're tired of this. We want a king too. God hears their cry and chooses to give them that king. They don't know who he is yet. And even as we're reading, if we were reading in chapter 8, we don't know who he is yet. But in chapter 9, you begin to see the will of God revealed. After Samuel's rejected, after his sons are rejected, after God gives them their request for a king we find the beginning of that king being raised up and God is working behind the scenes through the very ordinary, mundane activity of Saul's life to connect him with Samuel to anoint him as the next king. So pick up with me in verse 1. We have some insight on how God uses our lives to speak to us. It says in verse 1, There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. Now that phrase literally means he was a very rich man, very successful. And it's his son that's going to be raised up. Notice verse 2. He had a son whose name was Saul, a choice and handsome young man. There was not a more handsome person than, all, than him among all the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Let's just pause there for a second. Have you ever heard the phrase that someone is head and shoulders above the rest? It comes from the scriptures. That's a biblical phrase. And it points us back to, to Saul. He stood out. He stood out from his appearance. He was head and shoulders above the rest. Notice verse 3. So this rich family, very successful it's a kid raised, a man raised up. He's, in a, he's a son of a rich family, lives in, a, in wealth. Notice verse 3. The donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you. Arise and go and look for the donkeys. So we passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. And they passed through the land of Shaalim, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. Verse 5. 
When they had come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with them, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. And he said to him, Look now, there's in this city a man, and he's an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. Let's go there. Perhaps he can show us the way we should go. And then Saul said to his servant, But look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone, and there's no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? So as you're reading the text, we have a man who lost his donkeys. And he calls his son to him and he says, Look, son, I need you to go look for my donkeys. So let's just say this together, church. The, the man lost his donkeys. He sent his son to look for his donkeys. When's the last time you went looking for donkeys? Anybody? Uh, there might be one. Oh, Ed, I was looking for donkeys. Yes, probably not. I don't even know where to look for donkeys. Do we go out to walk-ins, make a left, maybe head out, and donkeys wander all the way to Lyman? I don't know. I haven't ever in my life looked for donkeys. And we don't have another occasion in the life of Saul when he goes looking for donkeys. It's just this day. And his dad, many servants, a lot of resources, he asks his son to do it. And in the text we learn that his son chooses to obey his dad. Might I just say before we get into the points today, that the beginning of hearing, the place of hearing the voice of God is a place of obedience. A place of obedience. It puts you and me in a better position to hear the leading of God. And you can understand that if you're in a place of rebellion today, you're in a place of resistance, you've got hidden things in your heart that nobody knows about but you, you've been ignoring the conviction of sin, you are grieving the Holy Spirit, like you're all a mess as a believer, it's going to be super hard for you to hear the voice of God. Because the voice of God continually to you is the conviction of sin. So much so that you don't want to hear the conviction of sin anymore. And instead of just dealing with the issue in a biblical righteous way, you stuff it, you press it, and then your life becomes frustrating. Your life becomes weak and anemic. Relationships start to break. It just isn't what God intended. The place to receive the leading and guiding of the Lord is a place of obedience. You have a son. What a great picture. A son obeying his dad. A son obeying his dad. I try to picture myself in different stages of my kids. If I called him into my room and Marie and I are in the front room, I just go, okay, look, guys, our donkeys are lost. I need you to go find your donkeys. I can think that on a bad day, they'd be copping an attitude, throwing a fit, flailing their arms. Oh, I'll go look for the donkeys. Why don't you go look for the donkeys? They're not my donkeys. Is it just my kids or you guys understand kids? Like my kids don't even want to, if I ask them to do the dishes, they give me attitude. Look for donkeys? What's the point? Dad, you got all these servants. But we don't read of that. What we read of in this early stage of Saul's life is that he's obedient to his dad. And it puts him on a path of anointing. It puts him on the pathway of a major, mighty, complete change for the rest of his life. According to verse 3, his dad loses his donkeys and asks Saul to go find them. And the whole scene... Because behind the scenes of the donkeys being lost, you know how sometimes you just don't understand why something's happening in your life. You just don't understand it. You look at it and you go, I don't get this. I don't like this. You often ask the question, why? Why this sickness? Why now? Why this problem? Why this difficulty? Why? 
And you have no idea how God is using it and going to use it, working it together for good. You don't have no, any idea. Saul, as he's going for donkeys, you know, he doesn't ask the question, but you have to ask, I mean, why me? I'm your son. Why do you want me to look for donkeys? And certainly his dad had a reason, but he never told him. It's not recorded. And many times the circumstances in our lives, as painful and as hard as they are, God allowing them or God sending them doesn't always give us a reason or an answer. But they're still used by him. Because as soon as Saul takes the first step to go look for donkeys, it's going to end by him meeting Samuel and being anointed the next king of Israel. God is leading a man through the mundane task of obeying his dad. An out-of-the-blue command leaving what he was doing to look for some donkeys. So some may say, well, Ed, now I know the way to hear the voice of God. I should just go look for donkeys. And you were going to have lunch today, but now you're heading to the zoo to look for donkeys. Because that's it. Get on the road. But see, that's our sense of wanting to formulize everything. We want to make a formula of everything. But this isn't a formula following God. There's not a formula. Because God works with us individually. And instead, we have a pattern to follow, not a formula. And the pattern is to learn to be faithful. You can jot it down in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. As Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, he says this statement in the New King James. He says, it is required in stewards that they must be found faithful. That's the requirement. A steward, someone that's given responsibility over someone else's stuff. What's required in a steward, they should be found faithful. In the New Living Translation, it puts it this way. I like how they put it. It says, now a person who's put in charge as a manager must be faithful. You must be faithful. There, there's no other option. You've been entrusted with something. What's required is you be found faithful. And for Saul, out of this faithfulness comes a great calling of God. And it's not uncommon, church. It's not uncommon. Many times when God wants to redirect a person's life, when God wants to affirm a person's life, when God wants to lay before them a direction, he wants to speak to them, when he's ready to reveal new direction in life, it's often through the ordinary. We're learning how the will of God is revealed to us, often in very natural ways, today on Abounding Grace. It's part of Pastor Ed Taylor's series, Into Faith We Go. And if you missed any part of the series, it's not too late to catch up. Just log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, we are on Valentine's Day. And while it's a day many couples look forward to and enjoy, it can be a challenge and even a discouraging time for some singles. You've selected a resource with them in mind this month. What can you tell us about it? We know our resource uh, this month is a book entitled A Love Letter Life. And it is the journey to the wedding day of Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. Their journey to their wedding day was culmination of a bumpy, complicated dating relationship. They faced health problems, emotional walls, and even being separated by a thousand miles. They faced these daunting obstacles. And a friend of mine in New Jersey uh, recommended this book to us. And so I want to recommend it to you. Um, they have a unique approach to dating. Uh, that is a part of their abiding relationship in Jesus Christ. And they speak of an uncommon love. And, and, and they said it's, it's primarily for singles, but it's also for spouses that want to encourage each other in love. And, and I just purposely wanted to encourage you guys that are single, uh, you gals that are single, 
that you are a whole person, that I know it can be challenging at times and difficult at times, but I, I had the privilege of serving for two and a half years as a singles pastor, and it was just such a joy to be a part of lives of singles, to watch them trust God, to watch them enjoy life, to watch them excel. I, I know it's not always popular, but I want to remind you that the single person is in a unique place to dedicate this season of your life, and I like to call it a season of singleness. You have a unique place to completely give yourself wholly to the things of God. And this book is for you. I want to encourage you to grab it. I hope you can uh, support Abounding Grace, but even if you can't, if you want to get it at Kindle or at Amazon, get it on Kindle, just get it. Just grow in God's grace. God will provide the needs of the ministry here. Um, But of course, you can choose to support us if you like. It's called A Love Letter Life, and we'd love to put it in your hands. We'd love to see it in your hands. We'd love to see you grow in God's grace. We'll send this your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call 877-30-GRACE and ask for A Love Letter Life. We'll continue to learn how to hear from God on the next Abounding Grace. Have a great weekend and Valentine's Day. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.